Hey, I'm Rita. And I'm Lee. And welcome to the Me For Her podcast. We are two gay women living polar opposite lives in different sides of the country, here to share our thoughts and experiences on a range of topics women go through between 20 and 30. Hello and welcome back to episode three of the Me For Her pod. Tonight we have a good one. I get to interview my co-host Reitz on her life, love, Mm -hmm. breakups, 2020, work, experiences, travel, the whole kit and caboodle. So hello, Rita. How are you? Oh, hey, girl. Hey. Yeah, pretty good, Lee. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm really excited for this episode, actually. I may sound even more um, like a male um, in tonight's episode because I'm not well. So I apologize (laughs) for the even more low-tone voice. (laughs) Husky Lee in the building. (laughs) Yeah. God, I remember when I was a kid, people used to always say to me, like, are you sick? Like, is your daughter sick to my mum? And she's like, no. It's like, this is my voice. (laughs) So how's your week been? What's been happening? What day is it? Wednesday. (laughs) Um, uh, My week has been good. Um, I'm unwell, so that's not ideal. But um, you just got to kick on. Mm. Amen. Sounds like riveting stuff. It is, Reitz. How has your week been? Yeah, pretty good. I'm um, growing my eyebrows out. That's probably as exciting as my week's going. My friend Shannon just got her eyebrows tattooed and... Oh, my God. I'm curious. I'm curious. Do tell. She actually knows a lot of great people in Melbourne who do the eyebrow tattooing. So she said she'd hook you up. I'm nervous, though. I'm nervous. Like, it's permanent. What if they do a shitty job? Yeah, but so is no eyebrows, so. Well, look at these bad boys. I mean, they're not the only thing growing at the moment. I'm on strike on all shaving on my body. You go, girl. You do your thing. (laughs) Basic. All right, let's get into business again. Woo, 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 woo. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, I don't even know what my questions are. I'm going to sort of wing it a bit. Um, I've got a few planned up up in the noggin, but I'm going to wing it a bit. I'm going to see where we land. So let's see if I can land more things than I did Chicky Babes in Perth. <laughs> cool. And if you don't want to answer anything, just throw up the um, old X, not answering that, Lee, move on signal, okay? I'll phone a friend. Yep. Yeah, cool. And before we get started, I do want to let people know that I've come up with an episode name tonight. All right, let's have it. And it is Gingerita Singalina. <laughs> Oh, my God, that's way lamer than I expected from you. It's <laughs> like on my level. I literally came up with it like two minutes after we start, two minutes before we started, sorry. There's a background joke and we will post the photo that comes with the name Ginger Rita to our socials because Rita actually, given how she looks now as a kid, used to dress up as a Ninja Turtle and she was like a little pasty ginger. So I'm not sure if she got switched at some doctor's appointment or something, but she looks nothing like she does now. <laughs> it was all in the lighting, okay? That is my favourite photo of you by far. My hair's looking a bit ginger at the moment, wouldn't you it say? It is, it is, but mm. not natural ginger. Not natural. Okay, let's get started. I am going to start with quite a low-key fun question, and I want to know, Rita. All right, bring it on. What is the most... Uh, I guess we could say irresponsible thing you think you've ever done in your life or between 20 and 30? Oh, God, the list is very longly. Um, it's been a decade of my 20s. Uh, you, you probably would have been there for half of these, but just a few off the top of my head. I guess that was that time that 
I went to Vegas and got hypnotized on stage and the magician made me think that my vagina was talking to me. <laughs> you don't know this story, do you? No. <laughs> so there was that. Um, what else? Oh, I left my bloody laptop on the roof of my car when I was getting a coffee, forgot that it was on there, drove off, went everywhere, obviously broken. That was a waste of $1,000. And after a wild night at Mardi Gras in the mid-2000-somethings, I somehow ended up in a man's hotel room. I think I was sleepwalking and I ended up in his room after he checked out and um, just took a nap in his bed. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. Woke up to the housekeeper asking me what I was doing in Mr Chow's room. Well, we've both got very similar stories when it comes to that situation because I've got a very similar one from when I was in the Gold Coast. But um, can't say I've ever been hypnotised on stage in Vegas I know. and been convinced that my vagina was talking to me. What was it saying? Like, stop choosing fucking idiots or? Oh, I remember now. I've, I blocked it out for good reason. Ask Nicola Williams. She was with me. Um, no, it was like I was laughing at it. Like my vagina was laughing at me. And so I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, being like, ha, 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 at your, your choices? Or prob- just probably at, yeah, my life choices. <laughs> that makes sense. It's just still haunting me today. <laughs> um, wow. Wow. Lots of experiences, lots of memories to be kept. Good times. Kept in the vault. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you ask me that question? <laughs> well, for good reason, obviously. I want to know what you think the three most pivotal moments are or were or have been in your life so far. Oof, big question, Lee. I'll give you one. How about that? It's a good one and it was um, really pivotal for me. Um I'd moved back home to Melbourne from Perth and uh, I wasn't really doing too well in terms of I didn't have any career goals. I was sort of um, running my own business but wasn't in a very good financial position and I didn't really have a lot of direction and it was one of those home truths. I had dinner with mum and we had a heart-to-heart conversation and she sort of said, you know, what's going on? Like what's next for you? I... I'm worried about you like I know that, you know, you're in your late 20s now, you're, you're going to be 30 soon and she's like, I I just feel like or I know that if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you and your sister wouldn't be able to pay for my funeral and I was just like, holy shit, like mic drop. Um, so after that I just realised I needed to sort my shit out and I needed to uh, find a career path um, get back into full-time work, sort my debt out. And um, and here I am a couple of years later and I think I'm definitely on the right path now. So, Oh, you definitely are. And I think you're, where you are now compared to back then is definitely um, a testament to your growth and your determination and your optimism because you're always so optimistic and I know that you are always so optimistic because we have conversations where, you know, you could be in a really sticky situation and you'll just sort of leave it to the universe, do your thing mm-hmm. that you need to do and it always pans out for you. True, yeah. Um, but that's not to say that you don't deserve where you are now and you haven't worked for it. You definitely have but mm. you've, you've, you deserve to be where you are and um, you've allowed it to happen and kudos to you for that. True and kudos to mum for having the balls to say it. Um, I think I needed to hear it. It's one of those things where like, you know, any of my friends probably were saying it like, 
under the table and I was like, yeah, 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 like I'll figure it out. And then when your mum does it, it's just like boom, smack in the forehead. Like you can't pay for my funeral. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Settle down. She didn't say it like that. <laughs> so love you, mum. But you've also got to remember that in between your time between Perth and being back in Melbourne, like you did do a lot and you still travelled a bit and mm-hmm. you had a lot of life experiences. Like you weren't focusing on settling down yet as such. And I mean when I mean settling down, I don't mean like with someone or anything like that. I just mean settling into a groove in Melbourne again. Yeah. And then that obviously became a priority for you again and you made it work. I did, yeah. Look, it took a few years to find my feet. Um, If anyone asked me if I regretted those, I think it was three years of just living La Vida, travelling, operating my own business, um, if anyone asked if I would regret it, I would say no. Oh, definitely not. You know, I got to travel lots, have experiences that a lot of people who um, have other commitments in their 20s unable to have. Totally. So I don't regret that. But do I compare to where my friends are sometimes with different life circumstances? Absolutely. I think everyone does and we are going to. That's actually one of my questions later on in the potty. All right. But moving on, Mm -hmm. I'm, again, diving straight into the relationship questions because let's be honest, that's what most people want to hear about. Um, I know you've recently got out of a relationship, um, but how long have you been single for and how long before that last relationship had you been single for? Uh, it's coming on about three months that I've been single now, which is crazy because it fresh. Yeah, it's pretty fresh. And prior to that relationship, well, let's just talk about the drought in my 20s. I think I was single for about seven years. You were. Well, you were single your whole Perth life basically except for a few flings here and there a couple of flings yes but no I was definitely single Pringle amongst our friendship group that's for sure and I want to know what it's like to be dating at 31 in 2020 during COVID explain to me how that whole dynamic works (laughs) and if it does work and if it happens and how popular tinder is at the moment does it ever just crash because it's just in overdrive look I mean I'm three months out of a out of a breakup so I can't say I'm completely committed to the Tinder and Bumble and dating app life. Um, yeah. Have I, have I had a bit of a squeeze? Of course, but I'm completely not committed at this point in time. Not only just because can't even see anyone in my 5K radius or beyond, um, <laughs> but I think it's just a bit too soon for me now. Yeah. But having said that, prior to my last two relationships, I was on the dating apps and it takes resilience, Lee. That's what it takes. Well, first of all, <laughs> first of all, you... You sort of have to judge a book by its cover, so it's sort of a little bit wrong from the start. Yeah, but you do get to write a bit about yourself, right? Like you get a little, I know it's not the same as meeting someone pretty naturally and organically, but you get to like write a bit about yourself. You could be lying though, I guess. Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm really horrible with bios. Like, I don't know. People generally I know you are. <laughs> generally try and be like witty or funny, but if I do it, I probably just sound like politically incorrect or something or like a loser. <laughs> I know you've got to be so careful. Uh, the biggest thing I could never do, the reason I could never be on a dating site now is because I would offend someone hard. I would be, uh, without even trying, I would say something that wasn't politically correct and I'd offend someone without any effort. You, you definitely would. I think Tinder and dating, to put 2020 aside, it's hard work because you have to put yourself out there. You have to take a chance like... I was dating this girl. Actually, I wasn't dating her. I went on a date. I thought, oh, what's a good date idea for 
not having to talk to someone that you just met off Tinder. Movies. Let's get, exactly. Let's go to the Melbourne Queer Film Festival and watch a film. Um, so we had a drink, watched that. That didn't work out. Not so good. <laughs> um, I always find personally that anyone that I've dated significantly has come from like an immediate circle of friends or like a gym community or like a friend of a friend. Like it's always sort of happened pretty organically. Yep. And that's typically how I've dated in the past. So was breaking up during COVID any different to breaking up normally? Yes. Fucking sucked. Like, I think obviously losing your ability to have your natural outlet. So for me, that's not like, that's normally sport and the gym. That's naturally how I have my social connections in a given week. Obviously the office, but I think by that time we were working from home anyway, so not as much. And you break up and it's sort of like you can't do those normal things that you were doing during COVID. I couldn't go to soccer training and, you know, forget about things. I had to find different habits to deal with it. But I do think that the one positive out of breaking up with someone in COVID is that it forces you to actually deal with your emotions and feel the shit out of it. Yeah. So there were a lot of nights of like Netflix and me and one or two blocks of dairy milk, Cadbury chocolate. <laughs> and like, seriously. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you have to feel your feelings. So I definitely did that over the last few months. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? You've got no choice. So um, there's a pro and there's cons of breaking up in COVID. The pro is mm-hmm. getting to watch Netflix and eating copious amounts of chocolate. And the con is just yeah. the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. Like work, for example, we had a daily daily meeting and I think a afternoon meeting at that point in time so I could like get my shit together for like the Zoom meeting and like look like I had it together, probably didn't. And then like after the Zoom meeting, like I'd still continue working but like I could continue to cry or like. Yes, you know. Yeah, listen like, to your breakup songs. Yeah, exactly. Like Kelly Clarkson, et cetera. Love a bit of Kelly. Um, you have been in three serious relationships, am I correct? Yes, three. Okay. <laughs> have you ever been cheated on? And because I already know the answer to this, I want you to then answer. And how do you think that affects you in relationships now? Yes, I've been cheated on. Uh, all but the most recent relationship I've been cheated on. And it's a horrible experience. I think it definitely impacts you or I know personally speaking from my experience, the first two relationships I was with, I was cheated on in a very similar occurrence whereby my partner started texting someone or something to that effect and another person sort of came into their life. And I knew both of these people and I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. And so when obviously I found out and we broke up, it was horrible and it then affected future relationships because – I guess it's just an insecurity. You start thinking, is it me? Am I not good enough? Is it anything that I've done? Is it anything that I could have done better? Um, You know, just like anything in life, just like a trend. Totally. So do you think that anyone you've been with since that first time you were cheated on, fling or not, or whether it was a long-term thing or a serious thing, you've always just gone into it thinking that there was a possibility that they would do the same thing and it was always sort of in the back of your mind just to sort of protect yourself and prepare? Yep. I don't think it's even a choice. I think it's just subconsciously there. No, totally. You're right. I guess your your reasoning and your conscious brain is sort of saying that was just that person, that was their behaviour, that's not going to happen again. But your subconscious brain is sort of saying, well, 
that happened last time. You didn't think it was true and then it was. So it's it's potentially going to happen again. And that's just an awful projection to have and cast over your, your current situation. Do you think that you have in the past almost um, to protect yourself again and to be more in control allowed a little bit of sabotage to come into play because you're like you're prepared for it to just end or for, for something to happen or for you to be cheated on so you've sort of sabotaged in a way relationships to protect yourself i think there's definitely an element of self-sabotage for sure unintentionally obviously i 100 percent agree i don't think that most people going into a relationship have malicious intent or want their insecurities mm. to destroy any part of their relationship. In the first instance, I th- probably think part of the reason I was single for those seven years when I lived in Perth was because I was so hurt from my first relationship and the way that that went down and the be- the betrayal of my ex partner hooking up with one of my teammates. Mm. Um, like that was that was pretty awful. I mean, you know, that'll that'll get yeah, that'll sting a bit. That old uh, that old chestnut. Um, but you know, you get over it. That is. Tick, tick, stereotype. Did they buy a cat together? You hope? No, no, of course not. They never do. Don't be silly. (laughs) That's true. Um, (laughs) But um, I think subconsciously, like that second serious relationship, like that person was always going to cheat on me. Like, (laughs) so maybe I secretly like attracted them into my life because that's what I was vibrationally putting out there, you know, that insecurity. I will not lie. Every time you'd call me and we'd talk (laughs) about this relationship and this is nothing against that person, I think they were going through their own crap. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like why making, you just kept making excuses for this person and that sounds super insensitive because you know, sometimes people do need support, but you it was more than support. Like it was toxic with a capital T O X I C. And I just did not get it. And you just kept making excuses. And maybe that's because that's how you that's what you deserved. Maybe maybe that's what you thought. I don't know, because that that doesn't make sense to me because you're such a rational thinking person. I don't know. I think that relationship for me, I hadn't felt a connection with someone like that since that first serious relationship and so I think I clung on to that for all dear life because I hadn't felt it for call it seven years and that was probably the most passionate relationship that I've had we were I mean you know call a spade a spade we were terrible for each other all my all my friends were like sort of like oh it's a bit weird and I just I was just blinded by the passion and the excitement of having someone in my life because it was quite on again off again yeah, it was. It was so bad. And I felt like you you never wanted to tell me or anyone else that it was on again. No, I was I was so ashamed when when she cheated on me. Like I went back there and that I always swore like I would never go back with anyone if they cheated on me. And she reeled me back in. I didn't talk to her for a month and then she reeled me back in. Obviously, I've got a part to play in that. It's not all her. And we started sleeping together again. And I was ashamed to tell my best friends mm. because I, I knew that they would be like, you're fucking crazy. She treated you like shit. Why would you go back there? But I did. And, you know, shit happened. But in the end, I did walk away. Um, and I think I learned a lot from that period of my life and that relationship. And to her credit, years later, 
she did apologize and she said, look, I did not mean to treat you the way that I did. I was just going through a lot of crap and I'm really sorry that you were on the receiving end. Um, so, you know, that's fine. We're cool and we move on. I think that it's so easy as an outsider and people, everyone's probably been in a position in one point in their life where they've got to learn for themselves. Every man mm-hmm. and their dog could be sitting there saying, don't do this or don't do that. Or I've been there. Don't do this. Like it's, you know, learn from my experience, learn from my mistake. But when you want to do something, it doesn't matter what people say. No. You've got to learn for yourself. And that's all a part of life, I think. Like there's so many things that if I had listened to people, I would have done differently. But I wouldn't change a lot of things. And that's how you learn. You learn from making mistakes. And, you know, I'm not saying it was a mistake, but it was a life lesson. Absolutely. And um, I think people have just yeah. got to learn for themselves. Definitely. And, look, I mean, to be honest, I got my beautiful house and my community in Fairfield my gym exactly. from um, that relationship. So, so much good has come out of that because you know how much I love my little crib and where I live. So thanks, X number two. Shout out. <laughs> I, I know the answer to this. It's going to be short and sweet. All right. Have you ever cheated? Fuck no, and I never will. Okay. So why do you think things haven't worked out? I know that with your last partner, your most recent ex, you being 31 – saw a bit of a future with that person um and why do you think like it didn't work out oh god um look I think that relationship for me was that was a tough pill to swallow that relationship ending because unlike the first two relationships that I had I think most people would agree that she was actually someone that generally people thought, oh, yeah, they go together. Really good match. Would you say that's fair? Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, there's no denying it. Like everyone that knew me knew that I was obsessed with her <laughs> from the start and I played the long game hard um, in order to pursue her. We met at work and hit things off. She wasn't ready for a relationship at the time and I was just playing it cool and – she was the only one that I saw, like, you know, it was, I hadn't felt like that maybe ever with someone. Mm-hmm. And so I played the long game and she finally decided to give me the time of day and, um, you know, we hooked up and the rest was history. Having said that, there was a bit of an age gap and I was always a bit more conscious of that than she was because if you're 30 and someone else is in their early to mid twenties, then obviously you're thinking about the next five years of your life. And mine at 30 looked a lot different to hers at 25. So do I think that that played a part? Potentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that ultimately it came down to us not meeting each other's needs. And I've got a lot of respect for my ex-partner. I think you know that. Um, But it was hard. It was hard. And I think that my insecurities definitely played a part in the end of our relationship and that's hard to acknowledge but I think it's important to acknowledge. 100%. Self-reflection is is a great thing to do and a great thing to have in any sort of situation and that sort of leads me into my next question. I know that you struggled with feelings of anxiousness in your last relationship. Will you elaborate on any insecurities you had and the role you think that they could have played like in, in your in your relationship ending? Yeah, I think 
the first thing I want to say is that I think self-worth is really critical in any relationship and I think I was probably lacking in that area when we got together and it was probably more subconscious than anything else because I did think that I deserved to find love and I did think that I deserved to find the one but I think from the beginning of our relationship even beforehand when I was talking to my friends about this girl that I had a massive crush on and like she was the one and blah 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 you know it was stage five stage five clinging I wasn't that bad I mean <laughs> okay probably was um I just think that subconsciously I put her on a pedestal from the start I started using language like I'm punching when we got together I'm punching above my weight class and you know, oh, like, how did I get so lucky? And I think that that sort of language even subconsciously has an undertone of you're not good enough for them. And then you start to believe that. And this had nothing to do with my ex-partner. She never once made me think that I was um, beneath her or not good enough for her. In fact, she was the opposite. But I think internally, coming back to self-worth, I probably started to believe that because that's how I was talking. And it wasn't until a colleague of mine pulled me up on it once and she was a middle-aged woman with with kids and we're having a few drinks for, I don't know, Christmas drinks or something and she was like, you need to stop talking like that and you need to stop saying that you're punching with her because you're going to start to believe it and it's not true. You're good enough. You know, you're her equal. You're not beneath her and it's going to cause you issues down the track unless you address this. But I think potentially by that point it was a little bit, too late and I had already started feeling insecure and I started to get worried that she was going to leave me that she was going to find someone else I became very anxious about that and it was hard to deal with because I didn't want to be that stage five clinger needy girlfriend that was the last thing I wanted to do were there any times in your relationship that you felt threatened by other people into external people in your relationship not to say that your ex did anything to create that, but did your brain and your own insecurities allow your mind to go there and be nervous about other people? Because I know that when you are insecure and when you do feel like, you know, oh, they're going to leave me, I'm not good enough, whatever, if you have other people in your life and in your partner's life that you see are, you know, good people, they're around a lot, they're good friends. I know that it could cause a little bit of, je- not jealousy, but insecurity. Yeah, of course. It was really hard to deal with. Like, I don't think this is just an issue for gay women, but for anyone who's <clears throat> been cheated on in the past, it's it's a massive fucking trigger and it's hard to talk about now, mm. you know, because mm. even if they would never cheat on you, and this partner never would have, and she never did. No. The threat or the perceived threat of someone else taking your place or them becoming really close with someone, even if it's just completely platonic, innocent, even if they they have different sexual orientations that don't match, it was it was such a horrible feeling and I was embarrassed by it because – Mm. From all accounts, it was innocent, but it didn't feel that way. But again, it's no one's fault. It's not your fault. It's not your ex's fault. You 
didn't go in with those intentions. You didn't like having those feelings. You didn't choose to have those feelings and it takes a toll. And, you know, I didn't know your ex all that well because we live in different states, but I do not believe that her intentions were to ever do anything. But I also know your intentions were not to allow those insecurities to affect your relationship. You had issues that you had not dealt with yet and they were now affecting you years later on. And I know that you've actually actively been working on that during Mm. and post your relationship. And do you want to talk about that, what you've been doing to help? Well, it initially sort of started as a chat about what I could do to help our relationship and then Murphy's Law would have it. Um, (laughs) we, We pretty much broke up the night before my first session with a psychologist, which was it's so funny because I've always been an avid believer and supporter of strong mental health and I guess it was one of those cases where it was like, cool, that's really awesome for you but I don't need it, <laughs> you know, and maybe that's a little bit arrogant but I just found myself as I never really struggled with feelings of anxiousness. I, I was, you know, I've never dealt with depression. That was never anything that I thought I'd ever have to deal with. And then all of a sudden this anxiety was crippling and it was affecting my relationship. And so I decided to go and see someone. And that really helped because um, the particular psych that I spoke to, um, Mitch, he's awesome and he helped me with some cognitive behavioural therapy and it was just great to talk to someone that wasn't my best friend. And initially the thought of asking for help probably kept me back subconsciously. I didn't even realise it. But it was so easy not to do and so easy to do. And I'm so glad that I went to my GP and asked for a mental health plan and, and started seeing someone just to talk to because, you know, six sessions later and I feel so much better for it. Did it help my relationship? No. But can I now pick up on the thoughts that don't serve me and analyze them and catch them and think, okay, is that my insecurity or my limiting belief system talking? Or could there be another truth possible here? Whereas before I just defaulted to, my insecurities, and that obviously didn't serve me. It may not have helped your past relationship, but your past relationship has definitely helped you because without it, you may not have gone and seek that help as early mm. as you did. So again, everything happens for a reason and um, you got a lot out of it. But I think it's so great how um, how much awareness there is around going and seeking help and, you know, seeing a psychologist or seeing getting help and talking to someone who isn't in your world and isn't in your um, direct line of friendship or family mm-hmm. or whatever is is great. Um, but I think it's amazing and I think that it's obviously really helped you and I know that um, breakups are hard but I'm really glad that you went and got that help. Your late 20s and my late 20s were spent very differently. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've ever compared our lives and if so, how? Yeah, all the time, unfortunately. And that's coming from someone who knows, you know, comparison is a thief of joy and, like, you shouldn't compare yourself to others and there's no value in that, especially if you've got different value systems. But there's definitely a part of me that at 31, currently single, no active prospects in the market during COVID-19. Um, it's like, well, fuck, I'm going to be 32 by the time this shit's all over. Um you know, as a gay woman, you need to start thinking ahead if you want to have children, and I definitely do. So it it does make me sad sometimes to compare my life to someone who's got, you know, the partner or the marriage 
and the kids because I would have thought that at this age I would be closer to it than I, I am right now. Having said that, do I regret my 20s and the way that I went about um, leaving my career to pursue my passion and travelling and living the YOLO life? No, I don't. But I think it's so common for women and, and probably men too to just if you don't have it all together, you immediately assume that, that the grass is greener on the other side and that all the marriages and the babies that you see on Instagram are perfect and I, I'm sure you can attest to the fact that it's not always pretty and it's not always perfect and a lot of people would probably envy the late 20s that I had as opposed to what they've had. So I think you have to put everything into perspective but, you know, what what do I want for the next three to five years? I absolutely want, you know, the marriage and the house and the Jeep and the baby or two. I, you know, I absolutely want that. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I think everyone knows that. <sighs> Unfortunately, I'm a hopeless romantic and I definitely want that um, happy ending, you know. I don't think that's unfortunate at all. I think it's part of who you are and I think it's amazing and I think that the right person will really appreciate that one day. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I think it's so natural as much as we hate to think of it, like especially on social media these days, everyone is on there posting their life, posting their pics, posting their good moments, some people posting their bad, you know, which is, you know, a way to keep it real and organic yeah. and raw. Um, and I think naturally people's minds go to yeah. comparing, whether you're a mum and then comparing other mums or if you're not a mum and you're comparing to life as a mum and a wife and a, all that, I just think it's all perspective. Yeah, and I think that everything's in perspective, right, but I think that I found myself clinging to different projects and looking at buying a car and looking at buying house and land after my breakup and I caught myself doing that and I realised that I was just sort of looking to fill a void and instead I needed to figure out a way to be happy with myself without the Jeep, without the house, without the girl. And I think I'm well on my way to doing that. And I think that's the most important thing. So if anyone's struggling, broken up in COVID, get yourself around your community and your friends. There's still Zoom, there's still FaceTime. Get into some healthy habits. I started walking and listening to podcasts. That's the whole reason that this podcast exists is because during COVID and my breakup, I started walking for my mental health and started listening to podcasts. And I found that that um, 30 minutes even a day just really helped to put you in a good headspace. And you were just like, who is my busiest friend, not in lockdown, with no time? I'll ask her to do a podcast with me. I have a confession to, <laughs> to make. Oh, you asked someone else. I did. Did I already tell you? I'm just new. No, but I already knew. Who is who it? Who you think? Who would be funnier than me? KJ. Oh, well. And KJ, like. I love her, you know I do. But as soon as I sent it to her, I was like, fuck, Lee and I would make such a better podcast. Why did I not think of Lee first? So Look, I, I love KJ as much as the next guy. I think she'd actually be a great guest and I think she's got a lot of value. But I think the fact that you and I literally talk every single day <laughs> should have been a short like it makes me feel like that fourth friend on the list thing again like why am I not ever good enough for you uh look you, you're probably just you know dealing with oak and like not responding to my text like you do sometime how dare you 
Oh, but I call you almost. <laughs> at, oh, I just can't. Whatever. We're here now. We're queer. Yeah, because did KJ say no? Obviously, KJ said no. No, I don't even think she re- replied. <laughs> oh well, thank God she didn't. She ignored you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Exactly. No, but hand on heart, I did. As soon as I sent the text, it was like a brain fart. It was like that second relationship that we just spoke about. I was like, what the fuck would I do that for? Oh, anyway, me. Oh, well, that was a ride and a half. I loved it. That was a ride. Did you try not to laugh when I was crying? No, of course not. How insensitive do you think I am? Honestly, you honestly <laughs> give me no love. You didn't even want to do the podcast with me. I was your. Oh, I was winner. A- my last relationship. I know. Let's hope she doesn't listen to this. How embarrassing. embarrassing. (laughs) Do you know what? On that note, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you join us again next week for podcast number four. What is our next topic going to be about, Reedy? Gingerita? Gingerita. All about when we knew we were gay. Find out what the cheesy name is next week. Good one. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great weekend. See you. Bye. See you. Love you. Bye.